0: You're listening to The Big Show with George
1: Rusick. I'm going to stay with you forever. Do you ever bite the nose?
0: Stop! (laughs) Don't do that voice!
1: And Maddie Rose. Secret, secret. I got a secret. I do love a good glizzy. These bread. On Sportsnet 960, The
2: Fan. Oh, hi there. It's a Friday. It's cold. It's The Big Show, Rusick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Stay warm out there. Be safe. Uh, be prepared. Stay home. Just just stay home. Turn on the old radio. Because I know you have one in your living room. <laughs> big giant wooden <laughs> radio.
1: Just tune it to 960.
0: Just a big dial. Yeah, I got a big dial. Right next to your TV, the Radiation King. Yeah, we're just fighting through the static there. Yeah, Adjusting the rabbit
2: ears.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, tune
2: in the old radio. Um,
0: we got lots to do
2: today. Frank Cervali NHL Daily Faceoff at the bottom of the hour. And then in studio, I hope we make it here safely. Big show Flames analyst, Mr. Brent Cron at eight o'clock, break down that big flame six two win over the Arizona Coyotes last night. Kron Dog. And I think at um I think at eight thirty we're gonna play the sum of all flames. Around eight forty five ish. You see some of these pictures of Arrowhead? It's cold. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just take pictures
0: outside here. It's colder. I know, but they're not going to be playing football outside. That's true. This is true. What? Wh- how long? Like, what is the farthest you would be outside right now? Whoa! Depending on, <laughs> like, if you had to go to the dome,
2: you would Uber oh, from yeah, your place. 100%. That's like a twenty-minute walk. Yeah, there's no way I'm walking twenty minutes in this.
0: It's too cold. We just drove yesterday. I told you we were thinking about even stopping off at yeah. the casino. No. We made the business decision that even the 10-minute walk to the casino and the 10 minutes idea. to the dome from there was not going to do it. So we just drove. Yeah. Like it is.
2: Stay inside. Yeah. Stay warm. Yeah. It's flipping freezing. I'm okay. just going to go home and snuggle my pup. That's, oh, that's <laughs> nice. i just going to lay down. That sounds just... delightful. Woof. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I saw Alex Brody. I watched the story yesterday. Oh. And I saw him. Just like who's this child in this winter coat? It was Brody. Yeah. <laughs> who's
0: this child?
2: Here? Well, he's a little boy. <laughs> who's this child? Yeah, wandering around little, downtown without an adult, and he had his little Tuke on, on. This whl tuk. Uh, you, know, you know who he actually looked like? He looked like Kenny from South Park, where he had his <laughs> Tuke on. He had his <laughs> yeah. He had his hey, coat. <laughs> yeah, he had his coat, and he had his little hood on, and he looked like Kenny from South Park. Hmm. But I didn't kill him. I said hi.
0: I don't think they've done that bit in like a long 15 time. years. A long time. <laughs> um,
2: all right. Um, something interesting last night from friend of the show, uh, Eric Francis, during the first intermission. I know he alluded to something like this with you guys um, earlier in the week, but uh, he said something last night, which I thought was super fascinating and super interesting and something that I kind of touched on yesterday. And I'm all about this. Um, why don't we play that clip for Mr. Eric Francis during last night's intermission, GVP?
3: Only one player in the National Hockey League has had more shifts than Noah Hannafin this year. That's important to remember as the Calgary Flames re-enter talks, tr- uh, contract talks with Noah Hannafin. They paused everything earlier in the year when things were going a little sideways. Everybody wanted to reassess. Now they're back talking again, and I won't be surprised if he gets his name on a contract in the next little while to stay here for a long, long time. And I think it makes sense because here's a guy, you trade him away. Yeah, you could get some big assets, but he's in the prime of his career and he will be for the next five, six, seven years. He's 26 years of age. I really like the
1: idea of signing Noah Hannaford long-term, and I think it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I I think you should be excited if you're a Flames fan. Um, Mm -hmm. He's turning 27 later this month, and we've talked about it. Um, I think this is the best I've seen. Of Noah Hannifin uh for the Calgary Flames uh when they won the division. Matty said you think he was fantastic that year as well. But but again, good. Uh that means, you know, two years removed. Uh he's still playing some excellent hockey. And to me, uh, if you have him and Rasmus Anderson on this blue line uh moving forward, I think the Flames are in a really nice spot because I, I would imagine with all these young players, and especially when you move into the new arena, um you're going to want to contend for a Stanley Cup. And if that's three, four years down the road, Noah Hannafin and the way he skates and the way he plays and the way he kind of stays healthy and avoids injury for now, knock on wood, I think think it's a no-brainer signing, Matty, especially with the salary cap going out. Because what are you going to look for if you're the Flames? A smooth-skating, puck-moving defenseman. Noah Hannafin fits the bill. I'm okay with Noah Hannafin, and even if that number's around seven or $8 million, I'm okay with that because that's a premium position in the National Hockey League.
0: Francis told us he expects it to be around seven and a half over eight years even when he better. joined us back on Tuesday. He said it was probably going to be done in the next couple of weeks here. That's when he expects it to get done. Uh, you should have heard him. He was very ill. It was not good. He had to really fight through the chat. Um, but, uh, I, I agree. It's one of those things that you got a premium defenseman. My point back on Tuesday was how many more games you got in this? If you sign up for eight years, how many more games are you getting? 600? Yeah. 650? The guy's going to play a thousand games. He's going to do it in flames uniform. I don't think that this is a player that over the next couple of years is going to fall off a cliff or anything like so.
2: that. I think that's way down the road, Maddie. Oh, yeah. Big I think time. the way
0: he skates in today's
2: game and how it's just not as physical. I think I think he's a guy that he'll age like a fine wine.
0: Yeah. And then from there, you've got essentially three locks on your blue line with Raz, Weger, and Hannafin. Yep. Uh, by the time we Rasmus Anderson's contract is up, you'll have probably maybe seven more million dollars on the cap from what you have right now, ideally. So you can make that work, no problem. And and, and frankly, I think we've seen some solid play, although in spurts, from guys like Ilya Solovyov and Jan Kuznetsov that are kind of on the way to supplement your third pair type of guys, long, sure. rangy, checking defensemen. I think it makes sense to kind of. Compliment your blue line by keeping Noah Hannafin. We've talked about it for a while, George. If there's one of the three UFAs that you're going to keep, who is it going to be? It's a 26-year-old defenseman who skates like the wind and yep. wants to be here. Yep. And has played well with basically everybody they've put him with. Like yep. They put him with Chris Tanev a few years ago. That was his coming-out season. He was amazing. It was the, the year before the division, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe the year before that, even. He's been really good ever since. He's shown that he can play top minutes with Rasmus Anderson. I don't think he's a power play guy, but that's fine. Good player.
2: I I I think that even now, when he's turning 27 later this month, I mm-hmm. still think there's more. There's more to the package that is Noah Hannifin. I think he can be. I think he can play even better. Because defensemen really hit their peak, you know, late 20s. Really, just, when they know how to play the game, they know their positioning. They, they, they just, because it takes so long. What's the old adage? It's don't even judge a defenseman in the NHL unless they've played 200 games. And to me, the, 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 just the improvement from last season on Noah Hannafin, I still think there's more to give. And I think this is kind of a no-brainer for the Flames because I know everyone's team tank and get the draft picks. The problem is when you have guys like Markstrom and some of these guys who are under contract here with this team and you hope Huberto's one of those guys the way they're playing, they're not going to get in the lottery. They're not bad enough to get into that lottery, to get that number one pick. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you try to keep a good young defenseman in the fold, and when you just hope all these young guys who are eventually coming up can continue to blossom and add to your team, and who knows what this team's going to look like. Uh, Zary's a guy who's been an incredible rookie. Uh, there's even talk, and they talked about it last night on the broadcast. Maybe he gets his name into the rookie of the year conversation, but he's been great. Pelche's around the corner to coming back. You have Hanzik, a guy you took in the first round who seems like uh, a guy that maybe shouldn't have fallen in the flames where he did in the draft. He's a guy that potentially could be a very nice player for the Calgary Flames. You have a lot of young, good players in the system coming mm-hmm. up, and you also have probably the number one prospect in the organization and Dustin Wolf. Y- you need some help in front of him, and I'm okay with giving Noah Hannafin that deal. I-, I would not be okay giving Elias Lindholm that deal. I don't want to pay a guy in the back end of that deal who's going to be a third-line center $9 million a season. I just don't want to do that. And I get and and you pointed out great beginning uh the last segment. Some of the little plays he's making, he he's a great two way center. There is no question about that. I just I just don't want to pay for nine and a half million dollars when the
0: production isn't there. I also think that he would have signed nine million dollars. Like I don't think he I think he hymns and haws about being here. That's interesting. I think like we heard in the off season the Flames had upped their money. Again, like right? I like, like I like
2: Elias Lindholm. I'm just a there's just a lot more trepidation signing that guy long term
0: to something that begins with a nine, even though the cap is going up. I don't even think it's a conversation. I think that it's kind of moved past that point already. Like this is one of those things that I like I said, like we we heard from insiders, we heard from people over the offseason that the Flames had upped their dollar. They were trying to get Lindholm done and it just wasn't coming to fruition. He's holding fast on what he thinks he deserves and that's fine. But yeah, this this is going to be one of those things that it just feels like it's time for a change for him. I've I've said it before. I just you look back at some of the past years when everybody else was here, it's just he he was a little bit of a different player and and things are going well right now and he's playing some pretty good hockey, but I'm I'm very okay with Turning the page on kind of that chapter of the flames that yeah. was Kachuk and Lindholm and Gaudreau. Like I'm I'm very okay with seeing what the next iteration is. There's some kids coming in, some good young players. You know, I don't think Matt Coronado's too far away from returning. There's another guy. Right? Like, they got lots of bodies. So if you can get a really good return from him, which you will, because I think that this is a guy that a lot of teams look at and say, This is the type of guy that's a missing piece. Like, you know, the Flames went out and grabbed Callie Yarncroke a couple years ago. This player, Lindholm, his cousin, Miles, better.
2: And and especially when you hear a name like, because the Avalanche would be super horny to potentially acquire a guy like Elias Lindholm, especially when you hear a name like Boehm Byram potentially attached to the Flames. But that's something that some insiders have even said potentially... Could be something the Flames could look at because I, <laughs> I would imagine that Elias Lindholm, when he does hit uh, the the trade deadline, a lot of teams are going to pony up a ton of assets for that guy because you're talking about an instant difference maker on a legitimate Stanley Cup contender.
0: Listen, Bowen Byram would be amazing. That feels very pie in the sky to me. One for one? <sighs> I don't know. That could probably get it done. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the Avalanche do it. I know he hasn't had as good of a season, but I don't know. The other guy that I think about in the Colorado system is Cal Ritchie, a guy who fell in the draft to them at 27 last year and can shoot the lights out in the OHL. So that's another high-end prospect that they have in their system that I think is a little bit more of a likely player for them to move is someone who's a little bit further away from the NHL and doesn't necessarily fit in the same window. That the Avalanche have. Hey, did you see Gabriel Landeskog is skating, by the I line? saw that yesterday, yeah. He'll yeah. probably be ready April 15th, hey? Yeah, it'll be like the whole Kucherov hip
2: thing. April 16th? Yeah, like, I get it. Nikita Kucherov had major hip surgery, but how convenient that he was absolutely ready to go game one of the playoffs and 100% healthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a coincidence. And then he ended up winning the Stanley Cup, which really angered a lot of GMs around the league, how they circumvented the salary cap. All right. Um, Matty Rose is running away with this thing. I think Patrick <laughs> and I just want to get over the 500 mark to have a respectable season. I don't want to be last. Okay, I don't want you to be last either, but it's close. Uh, let's do our NFL Big Bets, brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at SportsSelect.com. Must be 18+. Please play responsibly. Show me
3: the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. gambling.
2: Say anything about gambling. It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Super, super wild card weekend. Uh, standings after the regular season. Mr. Matt Rose, stellar. 66 40 2. That's pretty damn oh. good. Rack it up, boys. Patrick, 55 50 3. Not mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. We all right. Uh, Georgie, 52-54-2. You had a strong mm. finish. Mediocre. You guys should have downloaded the script. My um, <laughs> my record is much very similar to my high school transcript. Very, very mediocre. Mm. Very mediocre. Mm. Let's do it. Cleveland Browns at Houston Texans. Cleveland minus two. The total, Maddie, 44 and a half.
0: I am doing something that I don't typically do. I'm getting a little freaky here, but I'm going to take the over on this game. Uh, I The line scares me a little bit because as much as I feel like the Browns are going to win this game, I just don't know what C.J. Stroud is going to do in the playoffs. And he's never played the Browns before either. He was hurt for the
1: meeting this year. I'm going to take the over and expect some points in this one. Ooh, Okay, Patrick. Yeah, Joe Flacco with a win becomes uh, the all-time winning Quarterback on the road in the playoffs, which is you know that's like, something to hang your hat on. That damn right it is. And for the the, the gap between these wins for him, if it happens on Saturday, uh, we'd be massive. But the Browns have just been a, like they've been good all year. But like Joe Flacco added that extra layer to them offensively, despite not having Nick Chubb for sixteen weeks out of this year. Amari Cooper popped off for a team record uh, two hundred sixty-five yards the last time they played uh, a few weeks back. I love this Browns team. Give me the Browns minus two. I was saying
2: it earlier. I love the defense. I love the explosiveness of this Browns uh, offense. Throwing the ball to Amari Cooper. I think David Njoku has a big game against the Texans. If they can just shut down Nico Collins, I think this is a big game for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to take them on the road as two-point favorites. Next game in freezing Arrowhead, the Miami Dolphins. At the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs minus five. Total is 43 and a half.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, going to take the under here. This weather is just the type of stuff that I do not bet really against. I'm betting the under. Uh, I wish this game was in Miami because it would be a lot funner to watch these two teams in the playoffs. I think this game is going to be miserable to play in. I think it might be miserable to watch too, as a matter of fact. Mm. I am taking the under.
1: Uh, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere, regardless. Though uh, well, it hasn't been sold out awful. yet, there's still uh, Chief fans are a little, you know, really? they're not. It's they yeah, it's minus really twenty five. It doesn't matter. This is defending Super Bowl champs. Like get out there, yeah, they're going to get another team. game. They'll get the play next I don't weekend. Know if they'll get another game because I like the Dolphins in this one. I'm going to take the under, but I really think the Dolphins can can compete with the uh, with the with the Chiefs in this one. Because what what is Patrick Mahomes just going to click it on uh, from from week 17 to the playoffs? No, this offense is trash.
2: Yeah, the offense has been struggling. I'm going to take the Dolphins plus the five points. I don't like it, but I haven't seen enough from the Chiefs offensively to maybe get away here. This maybe has a garbage late backdoor cover touchdown written all over it. And again, there's one thing the Dolphins can do really well is run the football. And obviously Mm -hmm. the running game travels in the playoffs, especially in cold weather in January. Can the Dolphins' defense hold up? That's a big question mark to me. But I think Miami can have enough success running the football to keep this close. And obviously Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Flippin' Hill on the outside. Kind of like it. when we passed this, Tyreek wanted to get paid. The Chiefs couldn't afford to pay him what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And they just traded him.
1: Yeah, I think the, the bad takes were that uh, people thought... Tyreek Hill was going to flounder in Miami. No. That's been the complete opposite. No, He's been he's better been, in Miami Isaiah, than he was in Kansas City.
0: Isaiah Pacheco has gone over 100 yards in two of their last three games. The game he didn't go over 100, they were chasing the Raiders, so they were passing it the whole time. Mm. Um, Pittsburgh
2: Steelers on the road in Orchard Park, New York, to play the Buffalo Bills. Bills
0: minus 10 point favorites. The total just 36 and a half. Yeah, gross. I'm still taking the under here. I don't oh, think. Oh, wow. Okay. Mason, Mason Rudolph. Come on. What are we talking about? I know this Bills defense is banged up. How dare you disparage the good name of Mr. Jeannie Bouchard. They're not dating anymore, though. Okay. Then why is that relevant yeah. at all? I just wanted to throw <laughs> it in there. The Steelers are not good. I
1: tip my cap to that gentleman.
0: That's okay. funny. Okay. Uh, Under 36 and a half. Okay. Thank you, George.
1: Uh, I I just just don't like the Steelers team at all. I think this is Buffalo's best chance at a Super Bowl, at least getting there to Vegas. Give me the Bills minus 10. I think they're going to run the Steelers out the (sighs) ball.
2: I'll take the Bills minus 10, and I hate it. And I hate it, and I hate it, and I hate it, and I hate taking double-digit favorites in a playoff game. We're doing our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Uh, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, it's Patrick's Green Bay Packers on the road to play the Cowboys. Dallas minus seven-point favorites. The total,
0: 50-and-a-half, Yeah, for this one, um, what did I bet yesterday? Where did I lay my line? I took the Packers here. Plus seven. Ride or die. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I just think that this Cowboys team, as much as America's team has been solid this year, I think that the Packers can give him a little bit of a scare, keep him close, can expect McCarthy to maybe make some mistakes.
1: Maybe Dak Prescott throws a pick or two, keeps the Packers in this one. I'm going to take the points. Uh, The status of Jair Alexander, obviously up in the air. He stepped on a dude during walk-through. Yeah, exactly. He stepped on a guy's foot and walked through. He didn't step on him going to the coin toss? No, not the coin toss, but through walk-through. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how his status is. Obviously, the Packers are not the greatest uh, defensive team, but they've been better of late, but they've been playing some cupcakes offensively. I do like this offense, though. The Cowboys can't stop the run. I think they're going to use Aaron Jones, you know, Keep the ball away from Dak. I think that's the Packers strategy here, and I'd like the Packers plus seven.
2: I think there's going to be a ton of points in this matchup. I do like the Packers getting the points, but I think this might be um, this might be a shootout at at on it's that. It's the highest total crack. or second highest total of the weekend. I'm going to take the over 50 and a half. Uh, probably the most interesting game of the weekend, just based on everything surrounding it. Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford on the road to play his former team, the Detroit City Motor Lions. Detroit minus three point favorites the total 51 and a half.
0: you know how we got 66 wins on the season a whole <laughs> bunch of unders we're doing it again I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere in Detroit I'm really excited this might be the game that I'm most excited to watch the entire weekend should be uh I'm taking the under nevertheless that's a very high total we could still have a good game
1: yeah the story is Stafford returning to to the Motor City going into Ford Field uh, as the as the Lions play their first home playoff game in over 30 years? That's but insane. You know, I don't think there's... Wayne was... Fonts? Exactly. You know, like... Well, I obviously, Barry Sanders was there. But I can't believe who the hell was the quarterback. But yeah. Mitchell? <laughs> Might have been. I know Brett Favre went in there and won. Yeah. Uh, but uh, nobody's talking about Jared Goff. And this is a big game for him against his former team. Against the team he took to the Super Bowl. I think HC DC is going to power through. Give me the Lions... Minus three. Woo!
2: I'm going to take the Rams getting the points. You know why? Here's the reason. Hmm? Dan Campbell's going to do something stupid Stupid. and way uber aggressive, (laughs) and it's going to bite him in the ass. (laughs) And to me, coaching matchup-wise, this is an enormous mismatch between Sean McVay and Dan Campbell. Yeah, I like Dan Campbell's spirit. I like that the guys play for him and go through a wall for him. But it's the playoffs now. And you can't make stupid decisions in the playoffs. I think something will happen in this game. The Lions will make some sort of decision that is going to bite them in the ass. And I will take the Los Angeles Rams and Matthew Stafford plus the points. Because you know what you can do in the Lions? You can throw on the Lions. Oh, yeah. You can throw on the Lions. CJ
1: Gardner-Johnson is back. But, yeah, I uh, understand. Puka Nakua is going to have a big game. They could have both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Like, oh. Just like the Jets did last year, the Rams are probably going to do it this year. Uh, I like the Rams
2: getting the points. All right, final game on the card. The floundering Philadelphia Eagles on the road to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFC South champions. Philly minus
0: three, Maddie. total 43 and a half. Under. <laughs> Always the under. Buccaneers, Eagles. I, I see a, a game here where the Eagles defense comes to play and finally shows out the way that we expect. The one thing they've been weak against is the run, and who's the running back? Rashawn White, Bay? man, he's been going off lately. He's been good,
1: mm. one of the Rashad better running backs. Rashawn two A's, mm. better, better mm. running backs down the final four weeks of the year.
2: Nah,
1: nah, nah. Time to bake.
2: Nah, nah, time nah. to bake.
1: I'm taking the under here. Still, okay. uh, yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a football all week. He regrets coming back into the game last week. AJ Brown's status up in the air. I don't think he's gonna that go. That turf
2: at MedLife, they got to do something. Well, about
1: his, it. Was a, his was his a, was wasn't a non-contact. He was tackled, but still, like it is. It is but it's like, like guy, they caught lost, up a little bit. Yeah, they lost two guys to knee injuries there last week. Uh, I got no faith in this Eagles team. None at all. Give me the Buccaneers plus three. Uh, the Eagles defense has been one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL since week
2: 12. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be some points in this game. I'm going to take over 43 and a half. There it is. Our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim uh- the title with Sports Select pools. Make your picks at sportselect.com. Must be 18 plus. Please
0: play responsibly. How many are you guys going head to head? Because now we got to start kind of paying attention
1: to this type of thing as we get down to the nitty-gritty we these have, last few weeks of the season. We have a head-to-head on the Monday-nighter. We have a head-to-head on the Sunday-nighter. And, uh, yeah. So the two late last games of the weekend mm. are the two head-to-heads. Oh, boy. Should be fun. Should be I, a super fun weekend. I, I do love watching a good
2: head-to-head. You know what else is fun? Frank what? Cervalli. Sometimes. We'll do that next. <laughs> Big Show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan. It's a Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. The Chronolist, Big Show Flames analyst Mr. Brent Cron on the Flames' 6-2 win last night in Arizona against the Coyotes. And we'll wrap up the week with plays of the week. And uh, I think we'll play the sum of all Flames where Maddie and uh, Croner will go head-to-head. It's going to be easier than last time. Love a good head-to-head, George. Yes. Um, I also love some hockey talk, and we'll do that next. What a weak transition. Um, <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> Frank Cervalli, NHL Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit com. Frank, good morning. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you guys?
2: How nervous are you about your Eagles on Monday night?
3: Not very nervous. I don't have any stock in them. If they win, great. If they lose, which I'm expecting... All, all, whatever. <laughs> how, oh whatever.
2: How how sour are people in Philadelphia right now?
3: They they just want to launch Nick Sirianni into the sun. Oh, and and his coordinators.
2: So hiring Matt Patricia maybe not the best idea.
3: I, I want them to go out and get Belichick.
2: Ooh, <laughs> really? evil
3: access. Evil access. Bring him to Philly. Okay. They need structure. This team needs yeah. to be slapped into shape.
2: Um I, I I just love like your team made it to the Super Bowl last year, right? You remember that? Yeah, but
3: they, they they totally have they quit. They blew the season, they all rolled over, there's something terribly wrong.
2: I love it. I love it. I love the uh And now
3: they're going up against Baker Mayfield, who he can't even walk, let alone practice. Yep. And 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 that's who they're going to play on, in a playoff game and, and still probably lose? Come yeah. on.
2: I Get wish it. the NHL would do more stuff like the NFL does. Like, what do they say for Baker Mayfield, the, the motto of the season? Time to bake. I wish the NHL would do more stuff like that.
3: You like a little wake and bake?
2: Yeah, well, I think that's more my co-host. Likes Sign that. me up. Yeah. Um. What time, time is bake. it? Like the Tennessee <laughs> Titans, their hashtag was tighten up. That's incredible. It's <laughs> very good. I like that kind of stuff. Um, wanted to ask you, we had the Noah Hannafin conversation, Eric Francis, on the intermission last night, saying that an extension could happen soon with Noah Hannafin and the Calgary Flames. Are you hearing the same thing, and is that a very good idea for the Flames?
3: Yeah, they, they've continued to talk. Uh, that part has been clear. Whether it's soon or not, I'm I'm personally not willing to make any projections on a timeline, or even if it happens. I think the way that this already played out earlier in the season led to some frustration, uh, from the flame side that, Hey, you, we, we engaged in talks. We gave you just about everything you asked for. And when it came time to put pen to paper, you got cold feet. You didn't want to walk down the aisle. You didn't show up to the church. And I think from a pure hockey perspective, does it make sense? Yes um the flames cannot lose everyone that's a pending ufa and expect to be you know try and be competitive in a two to three year window they can't and and knowing that this team isn't likely to engage in a long-term full-scale tear-it-down rebuild and and frankly with some of the contracts that they have can't noah hannafin's the perfect guy to pick to be the one guy that stays to help get this team to where it wants to get to next. That said, I think the last thing you want to happen is for him to sign a long-term deal and 18 months in while your team is still in a tough spot with not winning, he says, you know what, I I, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have signed here and I I did and now I want out. You got to get me to the U.S., That'd be the worst case scenario. And I get why he's sort of been on the fence because I do think he's liked his time in Calgary. And I think, um, you know, everything's been amicable to this point, but I also think there's a huge part of him, which he kind of verbalized last year to the flames that he didn't really foresee himself re-signing in Calgary. And the fact that they went down this path once already and it didn't get done that would leave me feeling awfully nervous.
0: Yeah. And I guess what would you lean more that this gets done then or that he gets traded? Because it sounds like it kind of it could go either way right now.
3: I'd probably lean more towards it getting done. Mm-hmm. And part of that is I don't think and not to say that it couldn't be. I don't think to this point the trade market has been super robust. Yeah. And that's the other part that you're weighing is like, well, geez, if we're really not getting a haul for this guy and he's, you know, willing to sign, maybe we should probably do it.
0: Is there going to be a domino that needs to fall before we start to see a lot of movement here? Like even if it's not Hannafin, if it's. Lindholm if it's someone on another team is there something that you're looking to maybe start the the waterfall of movement I know we had the cutter Goche and Jamie Drysdale trade which we'll get to but that kind of felt totally, like a, a completely different yeah that's a different yeah. situation uh, that I'm sure we could talk about for hours in itself but is there a player that you're kind of looking at maybe someone on your trade targets board that is that first domino to fall that maybe leads to some more movement.
3: Well, it's funny, somebody asked me the other day, are the Flames going to try and jump the trade market and and start making things happening? And I, I think if they had their choice, they probably would have started doing this in November or December. It's, it's not really up to Calgary to jump the market, it's up to another team to step up and do it, because I think the Flames are ready to, they're ready to tangle, they're ready to make it happen. Um, that just, in terms of authentic serious offers. I think there's been a lot of slow playing, a lot of tire kicking, a lot of hey, I'm really interested in this guy. I can't trade for him right now, but please keep me in the loop in case you get close. And like those conversations are great, but yeah. until something really materializes, like you're just kind of left going, okay, tapping your foot on the ground, when's this going to happen? <laughs> and I can't I can't give you an accurate assessment on that cuz it I don't it just hasn't happened yet.
0: Whether it's the Flames, whether it's somebody else, do you think that the Avalanche have Bowen Byram in play if uh, a deal to really help them in that 2C spot materializes?
3: I do not. Um, part of the reason for that is we know that Gabe Landeskog, who practiced yesterday or skated yesterday for the first time in forever, and this is the second full season that he's missing, he's a chance to come back. I had... Uh, Chris McFarland, I talked to him earlier this week, the ABS GM, who my um, pot with him will drop next week, is a fascinating conversation. I, I posted the clip of, you know, sort of where they're at with Landeskog. He had this incredible surgery, this cartilage replacement surgery last May. The timeline there is 12 to 16 months. So, in the early end of that timeline, there is the possibility that he could come back and play in the playoffs. And in the meantime, what that means is, they can use this LTIR money and don't have to uh, worry about being cap compliant for the playoffs. So with that being the case, you don't need to pluck anyone off of your roster in order to make something happen. You can deal entirely in futures and give your team a better chance to win in the here and now. So this team is playing like one that certainly is in cup contender mode. And I, I just can't, you never see teams pry a player off of a really good cup contending team and and try and wedge someone else in sometimes you know you create a bigger hole with the guy that you're trading and if they have to make a move to try and rejig their salary cap miko Ranton needs a new contract this summer or as early as this summer that they would then make a move for for byram then
2: Frank Saravali, NHL Daily Faceoff, joining us courtesy of South Trail Exports. It's the Big Show. And, Russ- and by the way, Matty, yeah.
3: I would say, too, yep. I don't even think Bo and Byron would be the guy to go. I think if they were to move a defenseman, you know, teams would certainly be interested in Byron, but I think the first guy that they'd be trying to move is Sam Girard.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And his tiny little stick,
2: Sam Girard. Incredible. Tiny little guy. Yeah. Um, Frank Saravalli, NHL Daily Faceoff, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. What are you expecting the Jets and Kevin Day out to do, a guy who's generally aggressive during the deadline?
3: He's generally not aggressive.
2: Oh, okay. They're usually
3: aggressive the other way, right? The last couple years, mm. he's been aggressive in selling. Right. I, I think when you look back on his deadline playbook, there's a, there's a couple years that they really cashed in, and... One of them was the year that they grabbed Paul Stasny and they went on to that run in the Western Conference final where they were uh, swept by the Golden Knights. The next year, I believe, if I'm getting this right, was Kevin Hayes. And then after that, it felt like they it felt like they were kind of burned by that. That as, you know, Hayes didn't play poorly, but it just didn't work out. That I could see them making some moves and last year they made a couple really under the radar ones that actually ended up working out quite nicely that I think they're a team that in the window they have now with Scheifley and Hellebuck locked up long-term. One of the guys they got at the deadline last year, Nino Niederreiter already re-signed. Um, you know, they're, I don't, I don't see them swinging super big. It's not typically in their MO. Is it possible? Yes. I, I just don't know that the perfect fit has necessarily materialized for them. Would would a Lindholm work there? Of course he would. But are they gonna really shell out to make that happen? And is it gonna be for a rental? That's my big question.
2: Who's a more legitimate Stanley Cup contender? The Jets or the Canucks? Ooh.
3: I lean towards the Canucks. And that's as well as, as Connor Hellebuck has played this year, that stat of 30 consecutive games without allowing more than three goals for a team is insane. They have high end pieces in Winnipeg with, you know, especially with Kyle Connor and the time that he's missed. It's been, it's been really fun to watch that team play. But I just think the, the high end talent that Van has that's, on another planet compared to winnipeg with petterson quinn hughes and then thatcher demko nothing to sneeze at himself i just feel like for me it's 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 just pure flavor do you like chocolate or vanilla i mean it's it's one of those things there's no wrong answer but i i would lean toward the canucks
0: I wanted to ask you about some guys that are current or they're gonna be UFAs at the end of the season. They're all having different degrees of success this year. Sam Reinhardt, obviously, thirty goals on the season. He's having a great year with the Panthers. Uh Jake Gensel with the Penguins. He's had a great career with the Pens, and Steven Stamkos with the Lightning. You got three players here in the Eastern Conference who are in their prime or kind of on the back end of their prime, maybe in Steven Stamkos's case. Do you see a situation where these players are all able to resign with their respective teams because it's going to be tough how the cap works.
3: Yeah. I I don't really, let's start with Reinhardt. Like everyone keeps saying that how are the Panthers possibly going to afford him? I don't really see a path in which they don't afford him based on the disparity in taxes. And I pointed that out this week. I had Sam Reinhardt actually on my pod and we talked about the contract and, and where things stand. He said it's ongoing and he's completely comfortable with where it's at. He wants to, his goal is to stay in Florida. I mean, look at what William Nylander just signed for. Yeah, Nylander's on pace for more points. Sam Reinhardt, this is his third, as of last night, third consecutive 30-goal, 30 30-assist 30 season. Um, and it's going to another level this year. You know, he's talking about 58, 59, 60-goal pace. It's been magical. But with Nylander signing at eleven-five 5 in Toronto, with the disparity in taxes federal and state. It's 17% difference. If if Sam Reinhart signs for eight years times 9 million, he will net way more in his pocket, like the equivalent of twelve three in Toronto. And so just the calculus is totally different. Then if you look at Florida's cap and you go, okay, 9 million for Reinhardt and 9.5 for Matthew Kachuk and then 10 for Alexander Barkov, and all of a sudden it seems to make a lot of sense. And you go, okay, just, just get that done eight times 9 million bucks. So you can see a path. And then you look at Steven Stamkos and and I think there's been certainly more than frustration there with how Julian Breezeball has managed the situation and that they've, you know, the lightning have just basically told Stamkos like, Hey, we love you. The, the cups that you've helped bring here have been amazing, but we're not making any decisions until we see how the season goes. We want to, plot out our future accordingly. And that's been really bothersome for him. But I personally see a path that they can come to some sort of agreement. That's not really all that dissimilar to the one that Anze Kopitar did with the Kings. Like, you know, you have a franchise icon. Yeah. You're taking a little bit of a haircut, but you know, a two, three year deal probably puts Steven Stamkos in a place that, I don't know, call it 6 million bucks a year or whatever it might come in at that would seem to work for both sides for me. So can I see a path there? Yes. It's Gensel that I just, tell me how the Penguins finish first. Because if they're, like right now, they're squarely in the mix, even after last night's loss. How do you cut the legs out from that team after you already traded your first round pick? And then you bring in Eric Carlson and it hasn't worked the mandate from ownership has been to give this core one last final chance after missing the playoffs last year. If you get to the, you know, March 1st and the deadline's the 8th and your team is is right there knocking at the door, how do you trade Gensel? Even though he's the one key trade piece that you have to, re, you know, jumpstart this rebuild that you know you're going to have to do at some point, it doesn't make any sense for them, in my eyes, to re-sign Gensel. Because what you, you're going to sign him to a seven or eight year deal as you know, an elite winger to be the best player on one of the worst teams in the league for almost the whole chunk of that contract. I don't understand why you do it, but at the same time, I, I think to me, the calculus, at least how I see it right now, is either do you stay and let him walk for nothing and maybe try and get a small pickback for his rights before free agency opens. Or do you do you load up and move them now?
2: Frank Madden and I had a conversation about the state tax thing, and obviously it it's a it's a point of contention with some GMs because team like the Panthers oh, yeah. and the Lightning they they have this advantage. Is, is there a scenario down the road where the NHL is going to bake that into their cap? Them, the Stars, the Panthers, the Lightning. Is there something that because th- that that's an unfair advantage for those teams? Like is is there a scenario where that actually happens?
3: So. You'll laugh. I, I put that stuff out about Reinhardt this week and the cap situation. And an hour or two later, a GM calls me and he goes, thank you for putting that out there for the <laughs> masses. And I said, what do you mean? Was it a secret? And he said, no. He said, everyone needs a reminder about how unfair this system is. And I just, I was laughing and we went back and forth and I said, how about this? You do me a solid next GM meeting when I see you in a couple months in March in Florida, I'm going to bring my microphone and you just get a couple other GMs and yourself to say into the microphone that you don't like this and you'd like to see changes. Said, whoa, 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 we can't do that. Said, well, why not? And he goes, well, because Gary Bettman doesn't like it. We've brought it up in meetings before. And they, they like everything easily accountable with dollar in, dollar out on the cap. Meaning you always Probably. know where things stand with the fifty fifty split in terms of what players get as the NHLPA with this revenue share. And I, I just think that's BS. This is my own personal opinion now. I I just when I'm when I'm thinking about this system, the same money that's in Toronto is it's not equal to the same that's in Florida. And that's the easiest comparable right now because you, you've got two really important play driving wingers and they're going to sign for probably a few million dollars difference each year over the course of a seven or eight year deal that's a huge disparity in terms of what teams are counting on the cap and I think there's a real easy way to do it like you you have the actual dollars on one side of the ledger and and then the rest of it you're just dealing with percentage of cap that I think is, is another easy way to structure it. And there's a way to do it so that you you level the ice surface. And that's really what I think should happen.
0: Looking at a map of U.S. state tax rates here, California's high. So were you talking to maybe Rob Blake or? Hmm. Oh, we'll keep no, some- I'm ta- I was talking
3: <laughs> to someone that has a high tax structure that's saying we are getting absolutely screwed.
0: Yeah, like someone in California, right?
3: So, someone somewhere that yeah, I'm not going to tell you. Where,
0: no, no, but I mean, like California is one of those states, hypothetically, that is one of the but places. All of Canada, gets, yep. Cal- they get
3: robbed because of their high federal tax. And look, yeah, someone, I got a bunch of tweets from people saying you're a clueless idiot. Oh. You don't understand how taxes work. Of course, William mm. Nylander, resident of Sweden, is probably just renting in Toronto and is not like. Look, I, I'm not going to get into tax shelters and how people hide their money. That's not my job. But rest assured, William Nylander, his agent, Louis Gross, and Johnny Gaudreau's agent, his his whole life has been as a tax expert. He's an accountant and a CPA, not an attorney. And that's how he's made his bones and then transitioned to the, to being an NHL agent, I'm sure. These guys are doing
0: just fine. It might be malpractice that we've taken this long to get to it, but uh, the Cutter Goche jamie Drysdale trade has uh, stirred up quite a bit of drama this week. What do yeah, you know? Four
3: days ago, I don't think that's
0: malpractice. Well, we probably should have gotten to it earlier because it was probably one of the biggest stories of the oh, NHL week. Don't be
3: so hard on yourself.
0: Thanks, Frank. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for picking me up there. Uh, I did want to ask you, though, what went wrong between the Flyers and Cutter Uh, to your knowledge
3: (laughs) well i I think listening again to cutter Gauthier yesterday or two days ago with the ducks beat reporters his quote was kind of interesting in saying that it was a multitude of things and i i do think that that's accurate i think part of it was the way last year was handled with his entry-level contract he wanted to step right into the nhl the Flyers were in the middle of chaos. They had an interim GM in Danny Briere. Their team was a mess. And he's he wants to come in, leave Boston College, and begin burning off the first year of his entry-level deal. And they're just embarking on this rebuild, knowing how special this kid is. And they're like, hey, look, we're all good with you turning pro. We'd love to have you. Do you mind just playing the last three or four weeks of the season in the AHL to finish out this year? And then next year, we'll start fresh that apparently didn't go over too well. And I think that was sort of the beginning of, you know, how this all unfolded. I think first off, if that's the case, like, my God, just have a conversation and say it and, and then come out and say it yourself because everyone's been talking about it behind the scenes. And then I think the next part was, well, since he didn't really get in on the ground floor with John Tortorella was there, you know, maybe part of that, the coaching part of it, you know, then don't hide behind things are private. You know, I'm going to keep it private with myself and my family. Like, why? You couldn't tell the Flyers why you wanted out. Just just tell them face-to-face. When they send four different envoys to come speak to you, this is the NHL. This is a, this is a man's league. Put your big boy pants on. Have a real conversation. Don't, don't hide behind some cheesy statement from your agent. And... I think that part has really rubbed people the wrong way of how this was all managed and who's advising this kid on, on what to do. It just doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. And so fans here are still fired up. They're still talking about it. They're still enraged. And whenever he makes his debut in Philly next year, it's going to be, it's going to be something.
0: What have you made of how the Flyers organization has kind of gone about this? They obviously were very strong in their message the day of the trade. And then even uh, after, a couple days later, we had Tortorella going after one of the Philly reporters for what he said about Kevin Hayes' involvement in this. What have you made of just how Phillies kind of handled this situation?
3: I think it's been a lesson for everyone around the league in kind of crisis management. You come out on the offensive. It was like the perfect PR blitz, if you think about it. You had you you trade this guy, and and let me take a step back and consider the market. There are the joke in Philly has always been that there's twenty thousand hardcore hockey fans, and then a couple hundred thousand casuals that kind of know what's happening. And all of the casuals knew for this team that has struggled the last few years. Two names: Cutter Gauthier and Matvey Miedzchov. And when you have a player in, in Cutter Gauthier that tells you he doesn't want to play for you, that's pretty disastrous for a franchise in general, let alone kind of one of the crown jewels of the league. People joke it's the original seven franchise that they've had so much success, big market teams, spends a ton of money through the years, pays its players well. Unbelievable facilities, amenities, top three sports market to live in the US. I'm not saying all these things because I'm from Philly. That's really what the thought process has been around the NHL. They're always on people's free agent lists when the team's going well because it's a great place to play. I can't in my lifetime think of anyone that spurned the Flyers like this has happened. So when that plays out, what you do is you send your GM, your CEO, You're president of Hockey Ops. You send them all, all three of them out to do media blitzes. If you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. Send the strong message. And that got everyone riled up. Then you pump up Jamie Drysdale's tires, which they did. They've had some fun on social media. And you attack the character of, you know, more or less a teenager. And then afterwards, you sprinkle in a little misdirection of, yeah, let's rip the reporter about this, you know, Kevin Hayes thing that he obviously got wrong. What does all of that do? It distracts everyone from the actual thing that played out here, which is one of the top five prospects in the NHL told them that he doesn't want to play there.
2: Hmm. Great stuff, Frank. Uh, Frank Cervalli, NHL Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Exports. Frank, best of luck to your Eagles On uh, Monday night, no birds. uh, Hopefully, you'll be in a you'll be in a good mood if they win next Friday when we talk to you.
3: Could you imagine if they get a home game? That's what I really want. I want a home game.
2: (laughs) Uh, We we were wondering which battery is the best to throw from the stands in Philadelphia.
0: Okay, because because the quick answer, it's the weight, right?
3: It, oh yeah, it's the heft, it's the weight. <laughs> yeah, it, you can actually get a good chuck on it. It fits um, nice in the
0: palm. Hey, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like,
3: hey, that's that's what JD Drew got hit with in in the outfield. <laughs> at, at, at the no, seriously, they didn't yeah. bring like the double A's or the triple A's. Like, you bring the D. Okay. <laughs> I feel like there's a couple jokes to be made. I, that uh,
2: feels like a drop. Yeah, we- like <laughs> that's that's priceless for us. So thanks, Frank. We'll talk <laughs> yeah, to you next I, week. I do what I can. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, pal. Uh, Frank Servalli brought to you by South Trail Exports with inventory shortages <laughs> across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit southtrailexports.com. Immediately point to GB. A man yeah, who like, always, yeah, brings, drop, his, always brings the D batteries. Mr. Brent Cron, the uh, Big Show Flames analyst straight ahead. Uh, he'll join us, break down the big six to win last night, and uh, we'll do plays of the week, and we'll play the sum of all flames for the
1: second time as he
0: shakes his head. Text line, car battery.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> is
1: it wrapped in a blanket? They did that in Cleveland. Old Browns fans, like when Bill Cowher was a Steeler, he like the Browns threw fans car threw car batteries. Car batteries. How do you get a car battery into the stadium? It was the eighties. Well, I guess. We didn't so. care. <laughs> Have you ever seen that meme of the it's security guard who doesn't touch? A good anybody? point by you.
2: It's a security guard at the meme of the yeah, security guard who doesn't touch anybody. It's yeah. that guy. Yeah, that guy was working. All right. Am I allowed to bring in my car battery? Yeah. Come on in. You hate you hate the Steelers, right? Come on in. Come on
3: in.
2: All right. The is next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, at 960, The Fan.